This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. The number of the day is five. 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 In five. Five. What Rog and I have constructed here is we're going to take a different category at random and we're going to give you five interesting things. We're going to, uh, as Chris might describe it, it's brunch fodder. Uh It's something for you to wheel out on the weekend. Pretty random. Uh, Let's just see. We're going to spin the wheel and we're going to see what we come up with. (laughs) That's the longest (laughs) Going. It's like an episode of Family Fortunes. Wheel of Fortune. There we go. Come on. Places. <laughs> That's the worst wheel of all time. Oh, God. We've, we've used half of our allotted five in five time spinning a wheel to find out that we are going to be talking today about places. We kick things off with a bizarre story. Um, we have discovered, or at least I have stumbled upon... <laughs> Via someone, else's, via someone else's research, the spot where the next Universal Studios is set oh, to be built. Hold the phone. Okay. This is huge. Now, a YouTuber has claimed to have found the exact spot where this Universal Studios <laughs> so is going to be. This isn't confirmed. This is a YouTuber. This is... No, no, no. It's, it's a YouTuber called Theme Parks Worldwide. So they've got credibility. Okay, fine. Um, they said, we're on track to have access to the happiest place on earth in the UK as roller coaster fans have been teased with the exciting new plans. Check out this voiceover from Theme Parks Worldwide. The site that Universal have purchased is located in the small village of Kempston Hardwick, around five miles from the centre of Bedford. The land is currently split into two parts, with Manor Road running through the middle. The site is located close to the A421 dual carriageway that leads to the M1, which is is around eight miles away from the site. The furthest departure from West Hollywood than you can ever imagine. Bedford in the UK just off the M1. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Universal Studios can be found in, in, of course, LA, in Florida, in China, Singapore and Japan. And you can, and add, you, you can add the Bedford Borough Council to that list. Mental. Absolutely. And, and you're telling me that theme parks worldwide are legit, Rob? Yeah. They, no, no, okay. they, are, they are legit. This They've got a big a, following. It's, that no, no, sounded th- hesitant. Well, but, no, no, yeah. no, no. So Universal Studios has confirmed in, in what can only be described as a very American executive quote. They said the UK has a large population, creative industries, strong tourism and transportation infrastructure with close proximity to other parts of Europe. Very well done. Well done. It's in Europe. It's left Europe, but it's it's technically in it's on the European continent. Very shrewd of you. It's not that close. It's not like you can hop over from Warsaw for the weekend and visit Bedford, is it? What a silly thing to say. You're not going to take the... For, for those of us that aren't familiar with Bedford, paint, paint up a bit there of a picture for me. There is an airport, Rob. Uh, again, I'm not really au fait with Bedford, but Luton is in Bedfordshire, correct? I, oh, yes, it's, it is. No, I don't think so. Bed, Bedford is essentially in between uh, Birmingham and 
Lund- Oxford, yeah, I think. Luton is in Bedfordshire. I knew it. Therefore, you've got an airport. So technically, Warsaw to Luton Airport takes you directly <laughs> to Bedfordshire. <laughs> okay, so I've doffed my cap to this Universal Studios executive who's just made the shrewd observation that Bedford is close to other parts of Europe. Well done. Uh, so, point number one of the five. Back in the day, you could rock up and see movies being made for a bargain admission fee. That's very cool. So Universal Studios was founded in 1915. It wouldn't become a theme park until 1964. Have you been there, Chris? I've been to Universal, yes, in Florida. You enjoyed it? In Florida. Now, it was arguably even better before it became home to all these rides and attractions because it used to allow the public to just go and rock up and watch movies being made as they were shot. Imagine that now. How cool. Be cool, right? In March of 1915, 20,000 people rocked up to watch the movie-making business in action on opening day. Admission was 25 cents, and they chucked in lunch. Brilliant. It worked fine for silent movies. Unfortunately, they had to stop this practice when films started using sound because the punters were making too much of a racket. <laughs> they were chomping away yeah. in their lunch. So if we ever do go back to silent movies, which you never know, we might go full circle, they could reinstate that, perhaps. What a not. cool opportunity, though. Cool. I wish they still did that, but it's like, you know, 10 people at a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got to push on, though, because I'm on point number two. Filmmakers and relatives of celebrities used to act as tour guides. Huh. Now, the initial tour guides of the studio were folks that Universal Studios Hollywood found working at the studio, or they were relatives of famous people. One of the first tour guides was a guy called John Badham, and he directed Saturday Night Fever and War Games. He got his start as a tour guide at the studio back in the 1960s. So he started as big name director and then ended up doing the tours. No. He started, and he started doing the tours and ended up as a big name director. <laughs> he, didn't, he wasn't big name Hollywood. I know, Stephen, Stephen, come over here. Stop directing that film. No, he got his Do start. this tour. Imagine if Steven Spielberg was your tour guide. He just rocked up and there he was. Um, the first standalone ride wasn't introduced until 1991. The E.T. Adventure, which no longer exists uh, in Hollywood, but it can be found in Florida, was the very first ride. And I went to Universal Studios five years after, no, four years after that in 1995. Did you do it? No, they had the, I think it was the Back to the Future ride by the time I'd, I'd, went there, I'd gone there. And it was amazing. Oh, it's so I remember good. I was 14. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, point number four. We are rattling through this. An A-list star once lent his talents to the tour for a day. So, obviously, the park is an actual film and TV studio, so you do occasionally spot the odd celeb, right? Did you see any when you were there, Chris? Well, no, I guess you wouldn't have in Florida. No, not Florida, no. But you're doing in Hollywood, you do occasionally. So, on this particular day, tour guests were scared witless when an A-lister popped up that they didn't even know about. So, the tour guides were giving a tour, and they were going by the Psycho House. And all of a sudden, Norman dressed like mother, comes out with a knife and everyone freaked out because even the tour guides, who obviously know about all the planted stuff that surprises people, they didn't expect this either. So they were freaked out, which obviously panicked the the guests even more. And you know who it was? It was Jim Carrey. (laughs) It was Jim Carrey just mucking about. He was there doing a movie called Man on the Moon. Uh, It was about a guy called Andy Kaufman and Andy was famous for his publicity stunts. And Jim was just trying to get into character, doing a little stunt, and he was just playing mother. There's a whole documentary about Jim Carrey trying to play Andy Kaufman because he got so invested in it. I mean, he was just 
forget method act. He wouldn't leave the character and started really? doing really weird things. He's a weird bloke, is Jim. Yeah. It's very strange, isn't it? Uh, final point. Sometimes the rides are way more popular than their namesakes. So, for example, I'll give you the best example of this. Waterworld continues to be a very popular ride at Universal Studios Hollywood, one of the highest rated shows. Just as an FYI, if you are planning on popping over there, it is currently closed and under refurbishment. All right, okay. It's reopening on February the 10th, Do just knowledge. in case you're happening to be going to Universal Studios. Nice PSA. But, but I mean, who's actually seen the Waterworld I movie with Kevin Costner? It's one of the worst blockbusters of all time. Um, the goal of the park has always been to build the rides around these really long-lasting, incredibly iconic franchises. But sometimes... They just happen to be based on terrible movies or really bad TV shows. The Battlestar Galactica ride is one such example. This doesn't exist anymore, but the TV show was cancelled after a season and a half. What? The ride was an absolute smash hit for well over a decade. What are you saying? Battlestar Galactica was totally a cult classic. It was cancelled after yeah, a season was, and a half. So, Of course you loved it. So what is a cult classic? Okay. I, having never seen it, I can't comment. Um, but I'd be... I saw bits of it. It was... Yeah. I wouldn't rush to take your word for it. <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> that is five in five or five on five. Oh, you did not bad. We still need to do work on that. So it's five it's a six. work in progress. It was about six minutes five in five end. and a half, maybe. <laughs> the Offscript Podcast. Really excited to chat to these two gentlemen. We're joined by a memory expert and the founder of Memoriad Mental Olympics. This is a man who has been dubbed by the Turkish media, the man who forgot to forget. And that is one of the greatest monikers that we've ever had on our show. Uh, Melik Duya is with us. We're going to introduce him momentarily. And he's alongside a Memoriad ambassador, a man I know from my time at Yasin Schools, Chris Jacob, the CEO of Sparkler Minds and a UAE national champion as well when it comes to mental training and memory. So guys, first and foremost, welcome to Offscript. Welcome to our studio and thank you so much, Melik, for, for being with us. Thank you for having us here. Thank you, Chris. Great to see you again. Thank you very much, and, Robbie. Uh, I appreciate thank you it. for bringing us this opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, let's start really with you, Chris. How did uh, your relationship with Melik develop and, and also how did you become a Memoriad ambassador? Maybe just introduce what Melik is up to here sure. in the UAE. So, so um, back in 2012, right, I was 10 years old. I started going for competitions. In 2014, I attended this thing called the Junior Mental Calculation World Cup. Right. <laughs> I was 12 years old. Uh, I got third, fourth place in the world. Uh, but then I was invited to view the Mental Calculation World Cup, where the real adults play, you know. But that's where I met Mr. Melek. Um, and when I first saw him, my first impression was, wow, he looks like Einstein. You know, <laughs> he's really smart. He's got all of this under control. And then... As time moves on, uh, in 2016, I attended the Memoriad World Mental Sports Olympics. So I represented the UAE, got a national record for the UAE, and then did a few things on that end. And then um, <clears throat> Mr. Melek uh, mentioned that we can actually have the Memoriad World Mental Sports Olympics happen in the UAE. Wow. And so that's like a pioneering initiative, right? And so that's basically why he's here. And so we're bringing Memoriad to the UAE. And so... And I that's think how we met. that's an important place to start as well, Chris. Memoriad, mm -hmm. what is it? For, for the layman out there, you've said, I mean, just the, the mere mention of mental Olympics, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah. what kind of things are you guys up to? Give us the breakdown for people that perhaps aren't aware. Okay, so this is his brainchild, uh, Mr. Malik's brainchild. He's the founder of it. And it's World Mental Sports Olympics. But when you mention mental sports, it's memory, mental calculation, and speed reading. 
Now, you might think you can't do any of this, <laughs> but trust me, you can. And honestly, it's just about starting. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring 40 of the best competitors from the UAE to represent the UAE on the world stage oh. in November wow. 2024. And, and let's bring Melik into the, co the conversation, Melik. How did this all start for you, this journey that you've taken to, I guess, develop a whole new way of teaching and develop a whole new set of skills that I know you've helped everything from police academies to various other institutions. Uh, you've really brought these skills to the, the public at large. How did it start for you? Actually, it's a long story. You know, uh, <laughs> We've got uh, time, yeah, Melik. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, uh, it was in 1987. I got a scholarship uh, from United States. At, I was a you know training center manager in a Ireland Steel Works. It's a big company. It was. Then, uh, do you know when uh, the left brain and right brain uh, works differently? Uh, discovered? Do you know that? I uh, unfortunately, I'm ashamed <laughs> to say, I do not uh, yeah. know much about it. Actually, it was discovered uh, in, in 1981. Uh, it may be, you know, uh, an old time for you, uh, but for me, it's a... That was the know, year of my birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I was, you know, graduated uh, when it was uh, from the university, when it was discovered. Oh. But it wasn't a, a you know, in internet uh, era at that time, so... Uh, the news uh, weren't, you know, heard very fast in the world. So uh, I didn't hear that even though I uh, was a, you know, training center manager in Turkey. Then when I went, uh, you know, so this news uh, grow, uh, grew about, you know, uh, in 10 years time. So when I went to United States, I heard about that. It was, you know, uh, discussing. Uh, it was being discussing yeah. at the t TVs, etc. So, I'm interested in that. Uh, I was at the University of you know, in Minnesota, and uh, half day I used uh, to discover how brain works. Oh. I, you know, uh, came across a lot of uh, scientific papers. I uh, read them. I started developing my own techniques. Wow. So I started, uh, you know, thinking I can make a lot of money with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, motivation. So, yeah, yeah. It. My motivation is that, was that. So I thought I can, you know, develop some t techniques to count, you know, playing cards and uh, Las gambling, Vegas, gambling, gambling, you know. So uh, I, you know, developed some techniques. Yeah, I exercised them, and every weekend I started, uh, you know, uh, going uh, to Las Vegas <laughs> and Atlantic City. Sorry, yeah, Malik, do we need to play a disclaimer? <laughs> <laughs> Are so, you Kevin Spacey from the film Twenty One, Malik? Yeah, yeah but <laughs> mine is older than that. Yeah, uh, so uh, I started spending time there. I I won money. That, that I was, you know, the, the U.S. government was giving, uh, you know, one thousand and five hundred U.S. dollars, uh, you know, scholarship uh, money for me. But I was earning every weekend about two thousand and uh, three thousand. Wow, that's why I explained <laughs> you're in a Hugo <laughs> Boss suit. But, 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 you know, 
I was sp- spending at the, you know, away. Yeah. <laughs> because Las Vegas was very far away and Atlantic City was far away. Money from. evaporates over there. Yeah, so <laughs> I earned, but I spent at that, you know, uh, way. So I thought it's not a good, you know, idea to uh, make money with the gambling. So I started, you know, developing educational techniques. Uh, I started uh, at the USA. When I came to Turkey, I prepared, you know, some books, educational materials. I started appearing on TVs in in the early 90s. Because you're a world memory champion from the 1990s, Melik. A world memory champion. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, actually, I I wasn't a memory champion when I appeared, you know, uh, on the TV, uh, uh, TV programs. But I got another another scholarship from European Union, and I went to you know uh, London, Exeter uh, Exeter University in 1994. I uh, you know entered a memory competition just like him, and you uh, won it. Yeah, I got it. I, so I became a memory champion. How does one become a memory champion? What did you need to do, Melik, to prove that you had a very good memory? There, there are different categories. Counting, uh, playing cards, memorizing uh, binary digits, uh, memorizing names and faces. Uh, there are different cat- categories. Uh, so you sit uh, on a competition. There are many different you know, questions. So you memorize and you answer them. It's uh, like an exam. Yeah, just like an exam. Sort of. Actually, okay. at, that, at that time, it was uh, a paper and pencil-based competition. Right. But I didn't like that because, you know, the results uh, were very late. They, are, they were collecting the papers and, you know, checking the answers, etc. I said this must be like, a, you know, a physical sports Olympics. Yeah. You should enter your answers through computers and you should, at, when it finishes, you should see the result on the screen. So... People didn't, you know, believe in that we can do that. Then I set up, you know, a software team for that. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> then they prepared several softwares. And we started, you know, distributing this software free of charge to the world. Then it helped people because they were, you know, exercising with papers. But this accelerates yeah, of course. their exercise. Mm. So uh, we started in 20, uh, 2006, uh, and uh, we are doing, you know, holding uh, this competition every four years in the world. Like and this the is Memoriad. Yeah, yes, this, this is Memoriad. Memoriad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, uh, it's open to anybody who tries, uh, he, who wants to test their, you know, mental abilities. Uh, so we provide a platform to showcase their skills international, yeah. I'm now going to put you to the test, Chris. Ooh, okay, go. You are a national <laughs> champion, after all. Back and in the day. <laughs> back in the day. You might be a bit rusty. A little bit rusty. But you've told me that I can throw any day of the week, or date. in fact, sorry, any date at you mm-hmm. throughout history, all the way back to around 1700, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to tell me what day of the week that was. Yep. Okay, how confident are you? I've actually done this in the break. I've jotted down. I've done one as well. I've done one as well. Okay, Chris, why don't you go first? Okay, so, and and this is legit. For our listeners, Chris is legit. I've uh, hid my screen here. So if I was to say to you, the 7th of June, 
Okay. 1822. 7th of June, 1822. I would tell you that that was a Friday. It was. <laughs> a Friday. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Thursday, so I thought, oh, I've no, got I was, I was close. Right. Okay. I've got him, but That could have been fluky. That could have been lucky. Okay, so this one will really be the acid test. Mm-hmm. 28th of October, 2003. 28th of October, November. Okay, so 28th of October, 2003. That was uh, Tuesday. Wow. Is that Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. I've got another one. No, no. <laughs> it's three time lucky. Third time. Like, th- come on, guys, move it along. Yeah. Third time's a charm. October 3rd. October 3rd. 1798. 1798. So that was. Hmm. That was. Uh, okay, you got to give me a second. <laughs> no, it's fine. Take your time. You're live on radio. You take as much time as you want. Yeah, I'd be counting, but I'd need a calendar. Ooh, 3rd of October. 1798. 1798. Um, so that is a Sunday. It is. Well done. That, that, man, is, that was a little more on the edge, you know? That man <laughs> is a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take you to Vegas. Right. Back, back in the day, I could do 20 to 30 in a minute. I'm a little bit rusty, but I'm you know, impressed. Okay. I'm impressed as well. I'm <laughs> suitably it. impressed. <laughs> Melik, you, 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 one of your particular skill sets is the counting of cards and the memorizing of cards. Yeah, it works, yeah. Um, tell us about this incredible time to memorize the order of an entire deck of cards. Actually, there, there, are, there are different, you know, techniques. Uh, one is the, you know, memory palace. Uh, you have uh, some locations in order in your memory uh, and you also when you look at the you know me- uh, playing card uh, you convert that playing card uh, into an image mental image and you put that image uh, in one of the locations in sequence so, so you know what image in what location and the locations has a you know sequence so after memorizing that you in your memory, you look at the locations one by one and see the, you know, images, mental images you, you know, uh, place there. So then when you say the card, you convert it to the playing card. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So you're yeah. taking, you're changing the playing card into images in your memory palace. Yeah, that's right. And that gives you the speed. So, yeah. If I could just interject. Yes. Um, so when people think of Memory Palace, they think it's a big concept, Sherlock Holmes, all of that. But honestly, just if you're driving, don't do this. But, you know, <laughs> close your eyes and imagine your room. If you imagine your room and start walking from the door to your bed and list out the things that are in your room, you can do that with vivid detail without even trying to remember it. It's true. Because your mind is already an expert at images and locations. Sorry, go ahead. Right. Not sure I could, to be honest, Chris. Well, (laughs) now you were telling us off air, Melik, that your record, and and we have to be clear, 52 cards in a deck, your record of being able to look at them and then regurgitate was about 1 minute 16 seconds. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was. Tell all of our listeners, what is the current world record? 17 seconds. 
17 no minutes just seconds to yeah. memorize yeah, the order of a pack of cards yeah. shuffled pack of cards and, and is that the same thing that's going on with these Rubik cubes champions honestly with the Rubik's cube it's a lot more than that it's about it's like chess you know so I, I do the Rubik's cube as well my record is like 23 seconds but <laughs> of course it is I love that just throwing out there yeah I do uh, that too. back in the day you know it's four what? seconds now but like so when they do that they're thinking five six steps ahead Right. But with memory, it's more so about being able to it's like speed reading, you know, your mind. So right now, if you look at Dubai, Eye, if you look at the logo, you know, it's Dubai. Eye. You're not reading the word by word. Yeah, fair. You know, same thing there. So like he was saying, you look at four cards at a time, your mind has already seen it before you can even comprehend it. You know, so that's what's going on there. I, I am fascinated by speed reading. Now, apologies. He's I'm also say, an expert at speed reading. Uh, Sorry. Mel, I, <laughs> I want to come to you for this. Speed reading, like break it down for me. If I've got Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone, I <laughs> oh, mean, he's going high brow. I'm going he? really high brow. <laughs> Everyone loves Harry Potter. I mean, what are we talking? And I know I'm, I'm breaking this down to the layman, but I am a layman and I'm excited by this. Are, are you able to then consume that book in, in a matter of what? Are we talking minutes or hours? No, it, it's not in minutes. Okay. Yeah, it's not in minutes. Actually, a, a, you know, a normal uh, man who hasn't you know, trained their memory with the speed reading, can read about, in average, in a minute, 200 words per minute, let me okay. say. But when you practice uh, with the techniques, uh, proper techniques, you can make it, you know, triple of that. Triple? Yeah, triple of that. But your uh, eyes has a limit. Uh, the, 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 the most, you know, uh, fast number is about 1300 uh, words per minute yeah you can reach at that but not you cannot reach beyond that 1300 right. so, words per so minute. in a book that says 70000 words you could read it in just over an hour yeah that, I mean, that. I mean, do you enjoy crazy. reading and books, Malik? You, 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 you can, sorry, you can also comprehend about 75% of that. It's yeah, not just right. you yeah. know, going through it, but you can comprehend and regurgitate about 75% of that. Uh, uh, do you have that skill up your sleeve, Chris? Um, not 1,300 words, but about 500, 600 words. Uh, so that's like the smallest techniques, you know, but once you go above that, you can really learn. In, in memory, yet, you know, uh, when you speed read, you have to recall uh, the, the knowledge. Uh, over 60%. Yeah. If it's below, below that, you are disqual disqualified. Right. What happens if you get a book that you've already read? You, now, like you must be a... No, uh, you uh, special, you know... Uh, special text. Text is written for that. Okay. Yeah. How yeah. is this applicable in everyday life? Like, how have you helped people you know, improve aspects, qualities of their life that, that you know, through name recognition or that kind of thing? Yeah, name recognition is one of that. We're terrible, man. Yeah, because uh, most of the pe most people, you know, uh, remember the faces, but they cannot remember the names. The reason uh, is that you know, memory is visual, uh, you know, dominated, not auditory dominated. So when you meet a person, you see the face, you hear the name. So. Did you hear uh, anybody uh, saying, I remembered your name, but I couldn't remember your face? <laughs> no, did, you, did, nah. you, did you hear no, that? Never. Yeah. The, 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 it's different, you know? So the reverse is the case. Uh, 
So the difference is, uh, you know, you see the face, but you hear the name. Yeah. So memory is not uh, auditory uh, dominant, dominant, so you cannot remember that. I, I need to apologize. If I bump into the street in, to you tomorrow, Melly, can I call you Peter? Do not <laughs> take it to heart. It's just how shocking I am at remembering names. And Robbie's the same. Yes, you, no. You forget yeah. names. No, I am. I am. <laughs> okay. All the time. Couple of little points to finish on, gentlemen. First and foremost, in the most concise way possible, because neither Chris or I's learning skills are particularly good. Uh, how do we better remember people's names? People's names. So we were actually talking about this in the way on the way over here. So Robbie, if I wanted to remember your name, right, I would think of your face, your body, your 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 being, and then think of either you robbing me or me robbing you. You know. Oh. So I would create an association, right? That's what even Mr. Malik, when we were talking right now, we, we talk, spoke about. Imagery, right? Neural networks, creating that association. Now, Chris, you're really tall, right? Yes. So I can think of a Christmas tree. You wow. Know? Put okay. you in a green dress, put some red stuff <laughs> on you. You know, God, you've Tall got a Christmas, Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. But you never want a green dress for a while. No, I haven't. That's what you got to do. <laughs> wow. You know, and then you've got the beard, you make that all white, you're, you're Santa Claus. <laughs> and then it's just Santa it's just imagery. Santa, Christmas, Christmas Chris. Chris. You know, with Robbie, it's he's robbing me. Rob, robbery, robbery. You okay, know? I, I would probably make that way too complicated. And then when I met someone, I'd be going, oh, "Christmas robbery." Oh, what's your name? Santa, Fred. Santa. Yeah. Is it Santa? After some time, it becomes automatic. It That's does. It. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, I suppose you have a, you have a database you, yeah. of names, and your mind is just yeah. your mind optimizes all the time. You know, it's quick. I got to start optimizing. Oh, this that's good. I like that. I like that. Right. So, Memoriad Mental Olympics. Yes. You're here in the UAE, Malik. The event is coming here mm-hmm. to the UAE. Yep. Tell us about that. It will be held in November uh, 2024. All great mental athletes, yep. even the person <laughs> who memorizes a pack of cards in 17 uh, <laughs> seconds. seconds will be here. Amazing. All the best people here. Yeah. So even the best people from UAE uh, will and competing with them yeah and so to get the best people right in the uae it's been a little bit of a new topic and so we're actually starting from this sunday we're launching the sparkler minds challenge right we've got students from all around the country that can join in you can still join in right because the sparkler minds challenge is your gateway to selecting those 40 students that represent the nation on the world stage and it's amazing you were telling us as well that schools and the education system at large haven't quite adopted this yep. in the mainstream yeah do you see them doing that in the future or is this something they'll always resist see i honestly i think it's based on the education system itself i know the teachers love it the parents love it the principals love it right everybody i've spoken to understands the concept but it's unfortunately not easy to integrate you know so that's what we're trying to change that's why sparkler minds exist you know like i was telling you if you could invest in yourself that's the best investment Absolutely. you can get right and so even in may we've got a lot of events i think everyone should you know <clears throat> be on the lookout because we've got quite a few events happening. How do people keep an eye out on what you guys are doing? What's so the best way to do that? We've got social media handles. We've got Memoriad UAE. Uh, we've got Sparkler Minds. We've got my personal channel. We've got uh, Mr. Melek's channels. All of these social media channels are all about helping you become the best version of yourself. So even in May, we've got this thing called the Meta Learning Summit, 
that's going to teach you how to learn. Okay. Because if you can so, learn how to learn. Sparkler Minds on Instagram? Or Sparkler Minds on Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah. Or Memoriad. Facebook. Yep. We've all got of it. the social media all accounts. All the social media accounts. Let me add one thing. We have a lot of softwares free yep. of charge that can be downloaded from memoriad.com. Uh, you can exercise your brain with that uh, yep. software. Fantastic. Yeah. Malik, it's been an absolute pleasure really having has. you in. It really has been great. Chris, thank you, thank likewise. You thank you so much. Best of luck. Uh, I will be downloading that software and trying to and upskill. Do give Memory Ads UE a follow. I've just done likewise. We'll keep an eye on it because, of course, it is brilliant. And November time, we're going to have you guys back in. Definitely. I want to yeah. see that Definitely. guy. 17 mm. seconds. <laughs> now, yeah. if you've got a sports cards. category, by the way, I would certainly urge you to consider Chris's application because this man has the strangest memory wow. for obscure <laughs> sporting yeah. facts. Yeah, I do. That I've, that anyone that's, I've ever met. That's so amazing. If, if there isn't a sports category, we'll I think you should one. invent one <laughs> just for <laughs> this guy there. here. Great stuff. Melek and Chris, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you. The Off Script Podcast. It's time to debut another brand new feature for 2024 on Off Script. We don't have a sweeper for it. It's that new. It's fresh out of the box. We in don't even words, have a jingle for no, it. In other words, it got to 4.30. There was a gap in a running order and Robbie said, leave it with me. Do you really have to, do you have to expose all of our flaws? Yes, Chris. I do. I like to be honest Just, with our listeners. Yeah, well, too honest <laughs> at times. Uh, this feature is called Figures of Speech. And each week, I promise you, by the, by the time we do it again next week, it will have a little jingle <laughs> with it. Each week, we're going to take a famous speech. We're going to deconstruct the story behind it. And first up, what better way to kick things off than with arguably yeah. the most famous speech of all time? I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. 1963, Martin Luther King at the Lincoln Memorial. Is that the goat of speeches? It's right up there. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I think Absolutely so. Absolutely. There's a couple no other doubt. biggies. Obviously, um, one <laughs> 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 it must be huge, so obviously. Oh, uh, uh, that one with. I was trying to remember it, and it's just the words have left me. One small step for man. Yes. Although, one giant oh, yeah. leap for mankind. Is that, that's, that's, yeah, true. that's a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Muhammad Ali's sting like a butterfly? Oh yeah. Yeah, sting like a butterfly. I should do butterflies. Yeah. Float like a butterfly. Sting, sting like, like a bee. bee. <laughs> Solos butchered this way that this out from the podcast. Uh, I had uh, <laughs> I had jotted down. I also <laughs> that old famous sting like a butterfly speech. Oh dear. Uh, I I also didn't trust myself to remember some of the other contenders, so I wrote some down. Okay. Uh, apparently Theodore Roosevelt, according to artofmanliness.com. It's not a speech I'm familiar with. Artofmanliness.com, Theodore Roosevelt's duties of American citizenship. It sounds dry to me, uh, but that one he gave in 1883, apparently that one tops the lot. He was apparently just chiding his fellow citizens who were trying to get out of politics, mm. uh, which doesn't it's, seem as grand and as ambitious as Martin Luther King, None of King, us frankly. have a clue what it is. It doesn't count. Yeah. Winston Churchill's, we're going to fight them on the beaches. 
That's that's right up there. Yeah, we'll fight right them on the beaches. Uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address yes. in 1863, a century before Martin Luther King. And also, the, well, the other one I've popped down there is Chris McCarty. His compelling discourse on why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be fired by Man United. It was given in about 16 different guises in the autumn of 2021. It's worth consideration yes, right as well. Yeah. Uh, but no doubt, Martin Luther King, right up there. And of course, there is a backstory behind those famous words. So I'm going to take you back to August the 28th, 1963. Martin Luther King, he stood up there on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and he gave a speech for the ages, delivering this oratorical masterpiece to nearly 250 thousand people now i'm going to jump in here and i'm hoping you can answer this question as you unpack this over the course of the next seven minutes or so rob i've heard a wee whisper yeah that the famous i have a dream mm. i have a dream i had a dream i had a dream is actually not part of the script he goes off piste bingo is that right bingo yeah yeah it's it's absolutely not part of the script he's ad-libbing wow. his original speech was a four minute speech his actual speech went on for 16 minutes. The man ad-libbed 12 of those 16 minutes. Uh, when he was done, when it was all said and done, he stepped away from the podium, he folded up his speech, three pieces of paper, and he found himself standing in front of a guy called George Raveling, who's a former Villanova University basketball player, who'd actually been roped in along with his friend Warren Wilson as extra security. They were both tall fellas, basketball players, around Martin Luther King while he was speaking. And he said to Time magazine back in 2003, he was like, we were both very tall, big guys. We didn't know what we were doing, but we, we looked the part, basically. Yeah. Now, Raveling, he was moved by the speech. And the moment he saw the folded papers in King's hands, he did what I'm sure a lot of us would have done. I walked over and he was just folding the paper. And I said, Dr. King, can I have that copy of the speech? Did he hesitate? And, and, and he, he turned and handed it to me. Just as he did, a rabbi on the other side came up to congratulate him, and it was over. So he's given away that he hasn't even thought about it. He didn't even hesitate. He just handed the copy of the speech to uh, George? this guy, George Raveling. And then, you know, a rabbi wanted to come and pay his congratulations, and that was that. And he said, at no time do I remember thinking, I've got this historic document. He told Sports Illustrated in 2015 uh, he didn't realise he was holding what would become an important piece of history. So he went home, he got the three sheets of paper and he tucked them into a Harry Truman biography for safekeeping. For over 20 years, I never looked at the speech again. So it just sat there, folded. You've got this historical artefact of the greatest speech of all time, just folded up into a book, like a political book and just on your bookshelf. Discarded. How could you not look at that for 20 I years? I mean, at some point you realize along the way yeah. how special and important that is. Well, probably yeah. not even too long after, I would imagine. Maybe not. No, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe not. But he forgot about it, apparently. And it was there for two decades. He, on the, in, in the meantime, was developing an impressive career coaching the NCAA men's basketball um, team. And in 1984, Raveling had taken over as the head coach at the University of Iowa. And he was chatting with a reporter, a guy called Bob, Bob Denny of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And that is a niche title. Oh, yes. Love it. Um, and Denny brought up the march on Washington and Raveling just said casually in conversation, you know, uh, I've got a copy of that no Martin Luther way. King speech. I've got the copy. 
and he dug it out of the Truman book. And after writing an article about the connection, the reporter had the speech professionally framed for the coach. And here's Graveling revealing a fascinating detail about it that you've already touched on, Chris. It doesn't have a title. It's not identified as I have a dream. You can simply see the date. You'll see that he pretty much followed the script. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today and, and this is where we now go into the ad lib part of the i have a dream speech i have a dream i mean i have a dreams obviously the Beeline. defining moment yes. of the speech and that's the ad lib bit and um you know a few years back graveling said he would never sell it he actually said uh, that it does it isn't really him that owns it here's what he had to say the speech belongs to america the speech belongs to black folks it, it doesn't belong to me Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty! We are free at last! Now, so you're probably going to have a pop at him here, Chris, no, aren't you? I was going to say the free at last and free at last. That's ad lib too. I think so, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, so. what an auditor. Well, I think as he built up to a crescendo, most of that yeah. was all ad libbed. It, it began quite formulaic. It began quite scripted, per right. se, and yeah. then it, it kind of evolved. Um, but Raveling, you might be ready to have a pop at him here no. for, for hoarding this speech. I would hoard it. Um, he displayed the framed speech in his house for a few years. He did realise the value of it. He moved it to a bank vault in LA and he received offers for it. One collector wanted to purchase it for $3 million in 2014. He turned it down. Oh, wow. Listen to this. What a guy this guy is. In August of 2021, Villanova University announced that Raveling had entrusted the uni wow. to become the next steward of the speech which went on p- display to the public for the first time at the National Museum of African American History and Culture later that same month. On August of last year, 2023, the speech returned to the National Museum of American African American History for a little over a month to mark the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. And uh, Raveling said, actually, in that interview, I've no idea why I asked Martin Luther King for the speech, but I'm glad I did. That's incredible. If he hadn't asked for it, maybe Martin would have just discarded it, yeah. right? It's just popped in the bin. Mm. Yeah. How many of our notes, not that we... He's given up $3 million <laughs> there. That that's, that's integrity, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Seriously. And I'd have sold it to the first bidder. I wouldn't yeah. have waited out for $3 million. I'd have probably sold it to $30 to Bob down the road. <laughs> Rob sells to Bob. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.